0: Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome back to episode number thirty-one. The yellow black, yellow and black attack. Excuse me. New Mexico United back in the home stadium at the lab at isotopes park i'm your host chris walker and with me as always the exclusive one alicia how you doing tonight
1: it's been another long week but i am still kind of off of a high after the the home game we've had after a while
0: Right on, right on. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Let's first let's let's kind of check in on each other's world, see what's going on. Um, thir- first thing, I mean, we got to throw out there is the CDC is updating, uh, obviously, the policy. And, you know, now they're starting to state that if you're fully vaccinated after two weeks, that you could uh, roll around outside without a mask. How you feeling about that? And uh, yeah, what what are your concerns, if any?
1: Um, my concern is who's being truthful about it because no one's going to come up to you and tell you, Oh, show me your vaccination card. You you can't do that. And it's just an invasion of privacy. So my thing is who is actually being truthful about when they take their mask off.
0: Good point. And I mean, I know that I was uh, I was rolling up to the box office and there were all kinds of folks just rolling, you know, without their mask. And I thought, OK, like y'all still got to put it on inside. And then when I was in the park, I mean, it was kind of a mixture of it. It was like, all right, for one moment, you know, it's like, all right, everyone's rolling the mask. That's cool. Everyone's abiding by the if you're not eating or drinking, roll your mask up. And if you are, then you can obviously kick it without it on. But, I mean, I think towards somewhere in the game, there was just this, like, kind of familiar feeling where everyone didn't have a mask on. There were no drinks or, or food being consumed. And it and it kind of seemed nice for a minute, but it was like, all right, how many of y'all in here didn't get your shots?
1: Yeah, yeah, I could kind of see that. At first, everyone did have them on, and then some point... Once the game started and everything just started going crazy, that's when I feel like the majority of the fans did take off their mask. And, you know, it could probably be like the spur of the moment and you just got excited and you want to yell and because it can get hard with the mask, with the yelling and, you know, you're just excited and the breathing too. But, you know... It, it it is what it is it happened and from what i saw no one got told anything to keep their mask on
0: yeah i don't think anyone really approached anyone about it because like you know the cdc was like they had updated that sort of um that ruling if you will that that rule and uh you know heading to that match you know it was still mask on and then it became hey you know, we saw something from isotopes. Uh, you know, social media accounts just saying, "Oh, hey, you know what? You don't have to wear these masks." You know, then all of a sudden we started seeing it like at other places, um, and it became this this new thing. So it was like, okay, well, was United gonna adjust? You know, and, and I'm sure United was trying to read up on it to make sure, you know, that everything was was kind of figured out. You know, that they dotted their I's and crossed their t's before that they, they like kind of unleash this. But I mean, just today, you know, and this is this is Wednesday night, but just today I saw El Paso Locomotive, you know, their announcement that, you know, fully vaccinated fans don't have to wear their mask and fans that are not still still do, you know. And it just goes back to your point, you know, honor systems in effect, but how many people are gonna be honest about it? And I mean, look, you know, you're listening to this, like, I'm not trying to tell you what you should do whether you should or shouldn't if you're fully vaccinated but I mean my my personal stance on it is like you know if you're about not getting the shots and and that's where you stood with it and you made that choice then I think that you should be a hundred on the other side and be about wearing that mask because I mean you know at least you're like being truthful to yourself on both sides like don't be Saying, "Oh, well, I'm against the shots," but then go and like you know, skirt like not wearing the mask because that ain't that ain't happening, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I mean, everyone has an opinion about it, but you know, at the end of the day, this rule—if you're not vaccinated, it to wear the mask—it's truly for your own protection, and at, you really have to kind of like put your pride aside and really look at it. Even if those that are in the high risk group and you know, it's just for your own protection at the end of the day. And you really have to just kind of take a step back and look at it and, you know, just be like, Oh, okay, I'll wear the mask. So nothing happens to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm a hundred percent with you on that idea. I mean, I feel like if I know you, I'm comfortable around you like I'm good like I can you know I'm probably not gonna wear wear it around you but if I don't know you mm, you know it's kind of I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hit or miss I'm just gonna say it like I mean we're a united nation but we certainly weren't united on that and I mean look I'm not trying to get down on on folks about it you know I mean there's plenty more things for us to talk about on this episode right but we do want to we did want to talk about this mask on, mask off thing because, I mean, you know, it's definitely the ever-present thing. Um, But moving on, uh, new J. Cole came out uh, last week. I know you're a huge fan, Alicia. You've been, like, hot on the trail of J. Cole releasing singles. So, uh, you know, I I I made this section in the show just so I wanted to hear from you what you thought of it. I've been (coughs) listening to it a little bit. I don't have a solid opinion yet, but I know you do.
1: Yeah no i like always it's always good and i really like this album too and i feel like it's just been forever since he did drop kod and i believe that was two or 3 years ago i can't remember and i did get to see him in concert for the kod tour and he's always been talking about the fall off the fall off the fall off and we're like just waiting you know like when is it gonna drop and he finally announced it and i got super excited but at the same time he did mention that the fall off was gonna be kind you know kind of going toward the end of his rapping career which made me kind of sad but he did say he does have a couple other albums coming up so hopefully it's not the end
0: Right, so then what tracks do you like on the record, just off the top? Like, which ones, like, stand out to you?
1: Uh, I can't memorize the names yet, because it's brand new. Let me see. There is one that I really do like, and it's, I think it's uh, Amari.
0: Okay, okay, I've heard that one uh-huh
1: yes that one's my favorite one so far the other ones it's like it it's kind of like his other ones but the one that really does stick out to me is uh amari
0: yeah and th- always the interesting thing about j cole is no features on the records right i mean there weren't there weren't any features on this album right
1: uh yes there actually was really Yes, that's what kind of surprised me too, because we're always bragging about that he like went platinum three times with no features, but.
0: Oh, and I thought a- I was listening to. I think I watched the little documentary. Didn't he say in that documentary, like, you know, like he could. He said something along the lines, and I'm probably paraphrasing, but he was trying to say, like, you know, I know I could do do this album with no features, but I'm gonna go out with no features. Like, really? Like, why not?
1: yeah like with the no features at first it was like oh you kind of need someone else but then you kind of just get into it and you forget about it but in this album he does have a couple features uh he has a boss a little baby um i believe i saw who else did i see 21 savage and and murray or- something like that i don't know most of them but you know it was really nice to kind of have features but at the same time it would have been nice to also have it without features since that's what we're kind of used to at this point
0: right on yeah now now kind of shifting gears from from the j cole um we were at the lab i know you were sitting like a few rows in front of me i was pretty surprised actually that we were in the same section um Dylan healing song United for the wind comes on and the team comes out and all of a sudden it's like 2019 again I mean what were the feels you were going through at that point
1: man it was it was weird I'm not gonna lie it, it was a bit weird and I'm sure some of the fans can kind of relate to me on this but when I got to the stadium it felt weird it felt like I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing like I felt you know like a new kid at a new school like I'm just looking around and it's like everything's off and you know kind of being around so many people in in a while that was pretty weird to me too and when the song came on I, you know, I got excited. I got the chills. But at the same time, I, I like kind of had to stop and look around and, you know, kind of like reassure myself, like, you know, this is real, it's happening. And you're like, you're not on lockdown anymore. And it's time for you to get used to it. And it was really nice, because it made me forget what was going on around the world. It at that moment, like for me, I really hate to say this, but like COVID didn't exist. I felt like it was normal. I had the mask on, but, you know, you kind of forget about it. And it was really nice to just kind of focus on something else and, you know, be around other people and not be isolated. And, you know, just be out and have a good time.
0: Yeah, it was like the the Thanos snap all of a sudden. It was like the reversal, though. Like everything was, you know, seemingly back to normal, Um, you know, and, and, and much to say, like being at the lab. I mean, I was sitting definitely across from where I normally sit. I normally sit in 121. Typically, I was in 122. So that was like already off putting for a minute. Like I was like sitting across from there. Then I was looking around and I was like, man, I wonder how many of these people are not sitting where they're supposed to be sitting. You know, so you're already now taking in the game from a different perspective. Like, just imagine that for a minute, like time traveling back to like a period that's supposed to be 2019, but it's currently two tw- 2021. You're at the match, it's supposed to feel like when we won that match against Vegas. You know, except it's opening day. So it's supposed to actually feel like the very first time, like March 9th. Um, And then you're sitting in a chair that's not the chair you were sitting in. That's like the only factor that's like off for me. And I was just like, man, this doesn't feel right. Like it felt good. Don't get me wrong. But it was definitely different. Um, So they play the music. The team comes out. Heather Dyke from uh, the head coach of the Lobos uh, delivers the game ball, which was cool. They had a little stand out there for the ball. I thought that was dope. I don't remember that USL stand Mm -mm. being on the field much. I just remember the referees walking out with it in their hands most of the time.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I don't remember that stand either. I think that's brand new.
0: Okay. So then she delivers the ball. Of course, Pete Trevisani runs through the middle of the pitch. I think there was, like, a United fat flag on a, on a like, a board or something. Like, the flag was that center pitch. He, you know, I think at some point, I'm sure he took it off, but I know he kicks the first ball, and then he runs off to the sideline. And then, you know, they warm up and whatnot, and then eventually they get going. Um, but before we get into, like, a recap, I just want to get your six words for Saturday.
1: six words uh that's kind of hard um (laughs) you know i could say one word and it's um oh man it just slipped my mind
0: what you lost it already
1: (laughs) yeah i literally just had it um what was it unforgettable um you know it was just a match that i'm i'm not going to forget because even though it was the first match since covid it truly was a very different feeling but it was a special feeling too and you know with the players that scored i was really happy about it how it was you know the new players not you know the regulars and which would have been fine you know if they scored too. but mm. for them it was more important to do that and deliver to the fans and that is what I really like and especially if it's those players that scored that came here solely for the atmosphere and for the culture that New Mexico United represents.
0: Right on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try my hand at the six words for Saturday. Um, off the top I don't have anything written down so um, if I could if I could do it I'm gonna say um I gotta buy some paleta's Sergio Rivas I think that's <laughs> it <laughs> I think that's it um <laughs> My six words for Saturday. I, I, if you're listening to this, I'd be, I'd be curious what your six words from Saturday are. Um, we're going to get into this Austin Bowl recap. But first, let's go to a break. And we're back from that break. Um, Alicia, New Mexico United played Austin Bold. We played on our home pitch. You remember a year ago, I traveled to Austin. We played Austin Bold on their pitch. We lost 1-0. Um, You know, and so, you know, things didn't go right. Then obviously we didn't have soccer for a while. We're back on our home pitch playing Austin Bold. Some things a little bit different about Austin Bold, um, you know, but um, nonetheless, let's get started. Let's talk about the lineup that United came out with. Um, What did you think about the lineup? I'm sure you probably had some thoughts about what the lineup was going to be. Was this the lineup you expected to see or did you expect to see some differences?
1: Um, I expected to see, I think it was one difference. Let me pull up the lineup up here. Um, yes, only one difference. And I thought um, Cello was going to start instead of Tenari. That one was kind of like, well, what happened there? But... You know, it did work out at the end of the game how the lineup was. And other than that, that was my only thing that was, like, kind of weirded out about. But I, the other ones, I definitely expected to be starting 11.
0: Yeah, the lineup is definitely still looking pretty much the same in most positions through three matches. Um, I did, when I wrote my preview last week, I did kind of think, if there was anything that was going to be different, it was going to be Troy just putting in all the hometown guys or the new guys so they can kind of get that vibe of being at the park. And um, and um I, I, I just thought that because I thought, you know, Troy is wild enough to do something drastic like that. But, you know, considering the fact that, you know, Troy is also a man who doesn't really change things so rapidly, like he keeps kind of the same kind of, ethic of if it's not broken, don't fix it. So I mean, when I got to the stadium, you know, I did eventually see the roster and I was like, okay, it's the same thing. What I did like about the roster, I did like that Harry Swartz was in there again. I liked that Sergio Rivas was up top. I thought, okay, well we've seen Cello the last couple of matches playing up top as the as one of the the mids, the attacking mids. And, you know, he really is, you know, kind of struggled to find, I think, his footing. I mean, I think he's put some balls in the box, but I think that we just really haven't seen him be super explosive. So I was really interested in Sergio Rivas being right there because, I mean, I kind of always thought Rivas would be in that spot and that he would be charging up the pitch with uh, Devin and Amanda Moreno. Um, I liked the lineup for sure. I saw Suggs was back out there. I kind of hoped he was going to have a good game, you know. And, um, you know, I think that, if anything, I'm curious as to when um, Tete is going to break the uh, the starting 11.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about that, too. Um, I've been wondering where he is because he is one of the – of the other defenders that does a really great job when he's back there. And not only, you know, Kaelin Ryden is the leader, you know, if, to me, he's the leader of that back line. He controls that back line, but Tete does the same thing too. And they work very, very well together in the center back position. And it's just, you know, it is a bit weird to me that we haven't seen him and, you know, hopefully we see him here in these next upcoming games.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. United is deep like the Lakers from, like, the 90s. Like, they have, like, starting 11. Looks like we've got a pretty good bench that contains guys that obviously, um, you know, were running the league. So that's cool. Um, getting into some an area that I know we like to talk about a lot, and I kind of went with a focus to, to really focus on, was the middle third. You know, this middle third contained um, Rivas, Harry Swartz, Suggs, um, Guzman, and Tanari, correct? Yes. So, I mean, obviously, we had two bulldogish type um, defensive mids in Guzman and Tanari. We had Rivas, who obviously, you know, could kind of add to the attack. And we had Swartz and Suggs kind of bombing the sides. Um, Is this the best middle third that United could put together um, in your thoughts?
1: I wouldn't say it's the best because there is room for improvement. But what I can say is I really do like how that middle third was playing in this last game. And I know I talk a lot about the midfield and. This is exactly what I've kind of been saying this whole time, where when they do this formation, they have the two holding mids, and then they have the attacking uh, mid, which is Sergio Rivas, which is still being in the middle, but he does play a little bit higher than Guzman Antinari. And that is exactly what I've been talking about when they've been rotating when sometimes in the plays you saw Tenari all the way up high, you know, hence the Amanda Moreno goal, but Sergio Rivas was back. And that that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're rotating positions and it's just working out perfectly because they're taking turns and no space was being left wide open for Austin to come in and, you know, and take advantage. And this is how, you know, we're supposed to be playing and it's working. And if the other players can get to it, to our other midfielders, um, Azira and Cello, if they can do that, then we have a pretty strong midfield. And, you know, the wings, too, they're not they're not pinching in as much and they're not going out too wide where the ball can't get to them. They're running the plays very beautifully you know harry swartz i loved how he was playing the wing he was making those runs and he had he created so many chances and i really liked how he played in that in this game um he created so many chances for us it was insane
0: yeah and i mean this middle third definitely you could see like them operating a bit kind of like a starfish you know kind of you know they would collapse at times you know be compact and then obviously expand you know i think that that's so important um as we do talk about the middle third a lot i mean if they don't if they're not compact at different portions of when they're making that run um if they if they come out wide i think that they create a lot of, a lot of opportunities for any defense to kind of step in lanes and create turnovers and we did see a little bit of that there were definitely times where Austin, um, you know, stepped in lanes or found, you know, uh, found loose balls or obviously forced United to concede the ball in dangerous spaces. And I mean, there was that time where Austin was just literally like they had like had like a siege armada. They essentially just like put their whole team in the attacking half and they were just, you know, looking for chances to take shots on frame. Um you know, and, and like you're saying with Swartz play, I mean, Swartz played great. Like he um, was up and down the pitch. He was on the side. Like he re- definitely recognized players that were, that were striking towards like, you know, the box. I mean, you know, I rev- went back and reviewed some of the goals that we're going to talk about, but I went back and kind of reviewed it a little bit. And it's like, you know, Swartz was like so smart to like, kind of take the ball up, but he, was, he just timed it nicely so that no one was really off, you know?
1: Yeah, and I agree with that, too. He is a very smart player when it comes to playing the wing. He just doesn't, you know, with some wings, I, you kind of notice that they just cross, cross, cross. They don't look up to see who they're going to. And with him, he keeps his keeps his head up, and he knows where to place it. And you can tell they've been working on these long balls in in practice, and it shows because they're always getting it to him, and he knows exactly where to put it. And sometimes you even see Kalen Ryden all the way up front, and he even got a shot on goal with a cross from Harry Swartz. So, you know, everyone's doing what they need to be doing, and if not, they've been doing more.
0: Yeah, it's still kind of wonder, though, like if – one. I still kind of wonder if if it's a if it's a weakness or a setback that we don't really move balls like through the middle. Like I mean we really do kind of rely on the long ball. We really I mean we do have guys that can send it up front, which is nice. I mean, you know, like you're not really probably seeing too many runs originate from like, you know, between the middle third and the defensive third, you know, where someone basically like puts in the footwork, breaks ankles and then is in the front. Like that typically isn't the thing, you know? So, I mean, I wonder sometimes by us not making those attempts, if other teams are like, oh, okay, well they just got this one thing. Let's just take this one thing away.
1: Um, It could be a good and a bad, um, you know, with dribbling down the middle, you kind of have to have your forwards comfortable in doing that. And, Sometimes it's you can tell that they don't feel comfortable and it's more of a passing game and it's more basic, which I think basic works. And, you know, I've always gotten told, you know, play basic, basic, basic because it works. And, you know, it really does. And playing the long ball that. You know, that always works, too. And I feel like with playing the long ball, it does create a bit more chances than dribbling down the middle because if you dribble down the middle, then they're just going to double-team you or even triple-team you like how it was happening against RGB. They were just double-teaming, triple-teaming Sandoval most of the time, and we couldn't get anywhere, not even to the top of the eighteen.
0: Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think Austin Ball was playing a little bit of our game. Um, they definitely – did seem like they kind of had a little bit of a press on United. Um, you know, that was kind of recognized early on. I was like, okay, well, these guys are obviously going to apply a little pressure as well. Um, just because, you know, they're, they're trying to see if they can make them make some bad decisions, you know, and, and, and as you saw it, there were times where Austin was again, you know, in United's in, in United's, you know, half and was ultimately, looking to put on some shots. But let's kind of switch over to the Harry Swartz-Sergio Rivas goal. Obviously, this was an awesome goal. Uh, Rivas gets the – or uh, Sergio – or what am I thinking here? Harry Swartz uh, takes the ball beside the pitch, um, and he sees Sergio kind of charging in. And really, when I looked at the replay, Amando Moreno is trailing Rivas, like, on the far end. Devin's making a run up the top, and – you know, Swartz basically sends a cross and Rivas, Rivas in motion just goes and basically heads the ball into the goal. It hits off the keeper actually and then it basically just goes into the net. I know you and I both saw it from the same perspective. I don't know if you've gone back and watched it again or seen it on the little social media highlights, but what did you think of that goal? And I mean, how good is it for us that we have other ways... Um, to score goals, besides just taking shots or, or looking for the garbage goals out front, Uh
1: I I did get a chance to rewatch the goal a couple of times, and you know, it was it was great to see that it was Sergio Rivas that you know put it in the back of the net, hometown kid and coming back home to play. That was really neat for him to put in the first goal at home after so long and the fact that you know we're kind of able to do that this season compared to year one is really nice and you know we've always talked about height how that's kind of been an issue for us but looking at these players we really don't have height and it's you know mainly skill and it's It's working and like I said, you can tell they've been practicing this at the facility and it's working and they're, you know, uh, creating probably more plays and to work around that. And and if it's working, you know, just keep doing that. But at the same time, if we're going to play this team three more times again, it's going to get difficult.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I really got to shout out Harry Swartz because, you know, if you, you and I had talked, like, kind of earlier into the preseason, like, you know, I, I truly didn't know what Harry Swartz was going to bring to this team. I mean, he had been out half a season last year with an injury, and any matches that I had really watched with Harry Swartz, I mean, he was playing winger or he was playing in the back, playing a little bit um, kind of like a, he was kind of playing back there, like on the back line, like a right back, if you will. And it was just like, he, the match I saw, he just really wasn't like stopping any balls. Like the balls were being scored, like while he was back there, he just wasn't really guessing the right direction. And so, you know, and then in the same match, he goes down. I mean, I think I told you about this back in Christmas time when I was watching that match. And I was just like, I don't know if we just signed like, if we signed a phenom type of player, or if like, it's like, you know, just going to be kind of like another, like Daniel Bruce row, like, is this going to be another guy that kind of comes in for 20 minutes and kind of stimulates the game and that's it. But I have to say, Harry Swartz has made me a believer, you know, he's made me a believer. He stands out. Like he stood out in every single match so far. And I, I got to ask you, like, you know, we love Wehan. You know he's obviously forever in our hearts, and we're gonna we're gonna you know throw him into the the seek and strike Hall of Fame for sure. But I mean, can we start to kind of think? Can we kind of start to move on from bees to Swartz at this point?
1: Um, I I honestly think we can, and like you said, we do love Weehan and I do miss him. And you know he also created so many chances for us. He was. You know, last season he was kind of a very underrated player, in my opinion. I feel like no one was kind of talking about him, to- and, and uh, towards the end they kind of were. But you know, Swords has been doing amazing from from the get go. He was, you know, it's like a flame lit up in him, and he's just going and going and going. And like I said, um, against RGV. He was my man of the match. Um and then this one against Austin Bold, he I know you know, you think Sergio Rivas, and don't get me wrong, he did great, but you know, Harry Swartz was the one that made it all happen. And he was definitely my man of the match against Austin Bold.
0: Okay, okay. Right on, right on. Um, yeah, man of the match. Uh God I'm trying to think. Like, I mean Harry Swartz stuck out to me again. Um, You know, Rivas getting the first goal, I thought was incredible. Um, I think it was incredible really because Rivas was supposed to come to the lab when he was playing for Reno. And it was going to be kind of a homecoming. He was going to be playing against United, right? Um, But then he was injured. And so he didn't make the trip. So I thought to myself, like, dude, it, it dawned on me after he scored that goal. I was like, you know what? This is his first time at the lab. And he's doing it the right way for us with that goal. And I just thought, man, that, that's got to feel good. I think, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like, man of the match, like, I really didn't have one at the time. But, I mean, it's so hard for me to pick one. But I kind of feel like I would favor Swartz. And I think I would say Rivas as well. Because I think that, like, Rivas also, like, kind of, was playing another role like through the night you know he was definitely also looking for you know for amando and whatnot he was trying to you know create some chances too um so I'll, I'll probably give it to uh Rivas and and Harry Swartz I'm kind of I'm kind of slighted between the two just because they both to me stand out so so next let's talk about this like okay I mean we had a lead uh, through the 18th minute, through the rest of the half, and then within, like, minutes of the second half, we, like, conceded a goal. And I just thought, damn, we're always good for one. Um, you know, the goal wasn't anything too crazy. I mean, ultimately, they striked right away, and uh, and then they found themselves in an interesting space. They are able to, I think, from the angle that they showed it, it's hard to see how it happened, but then seeing it on other replays, it looks like maybe Tambakis was screened by maybe one of the defenders who also tried to make a leap for it as well. Um, so to me, it's like we we just really kind of struggle with kind of maintaining these leads, or we give up these goals like way too fast. It seems.
1: Yeah, and I kind of kind of agree with that. Um I feel like we get in the lead, and I don't know like what mindset it kind of goes through our players, but I feel like we score and then like, we shut down. And that's where it's like like what's what's going on? And you know, it reminded me of against El Paso, where we obviously had the lead. Last minute in extra time or stoppage time, they score, and I'm sitting here like, What just happened? Are are you kidding me? And the same thing happened to when against Austin Bold, we were up and one nil, and then they scored, and you know. And I hate to say this, but before they scored, I kind of had that feeling like, you know what? They're going to score. Like how the game was looking, I just had a like, I was like 90% sure they were going to score. And they did. And, you know, I was like, see, like, see what happened? Like, I don't understand. And it's just weird that this always happens. And when you want a clean sheet, it's when we don't get it.
0: It's like it—it it literally was like about the same time has gone by from El Paso. Like they had scored that goal in the 57th El Paso, and then they conceded the goal in like the 95th. So it's almost like that next 30 minutes is like really critical for United. And I mean, they did—they did manage to escape into the half, and so that was nice. But again, going right into like the first minute, and they had already conceded the goal. I think that United really has to. Like, they really got to be thinking, like, okay, we got this goal. Like, in this next 30 minutes, like, we really got to recharge ourselves. And I feel like they kind of were doing that because Troy took out Devin Sandoval um, at about the 59th minute, put in Brian Brown. And within a minute of Brian Brown being in, Brian Brown finds a loose ball. I think Josh Suggs had done a dummy run and kind of uh, made the goalkeeper miss. um, And ultimately, Brian Brown scoops it up and chips it in. Brian Brown gets his first goal. What were your thoughts on that?
1: I really liked that play, you know, and I w- I also enjoyed how, you know, Brian Brown didn't take that risky opportunity in in dribbling it in, and the chipping was still a risk. But I feel like when you dribble in that close to the goal, especially with three other defenders around you and the uh, goalkeeper behind you, it's going to be more difficult to score. And when he chipped it in, you know, it was kind of that spur of the moment where you have your hands above your head and you're like, is that going in? Because it on the far side of the field, you can't really see well and it looks like it's not going in. So like you kind of have to make sure and, you know, It went in and I was surprised, but I really liked how that was played out. And especially with him just barely coming on, that just, I don't know, to me it just shows that these players are hungry.
0: Yeah, just fired up uh, United big time. I mean, the crowd let them hear it. Brownie didn't have any sort of reaction to it. He just kind of was like, oh, that, that was nothing. I could do that all day long. And I was like, all right, go on, go on. And so uh, Brownie gets the chip shot. United's up 2-1. Then what got interesting is that Troy made some other subs around the 71st minute, I think. I, I was kind of noting this in the preview, but you know, really the times where Troy is making changes in the match, if he hasn't made something at halftime, he's really in the 60th minute. He's somewhere in, in the 70th minute and somewhere in the 80th minute. Those are like the moments when he's making changes, and obviously, I think that's good. I was talking to uh, Jeremy Harmio, and uh, shout out to him. Um, he was he was saying that he thinks Troy really tries to kind of um, model his game after uh, Jurgen Klopp. You know, being a Liverpool fan that he is, and uh, you know, and, and and maybe so, maybe so, but you know, ultimately, like you know, I did kind of stay tuned for those moments and Troy made the subs pretty much like around the same times that I thought he was going to make them. He brings in, um, uh, I believe it was it Daniel Bruce, um, cello and Justin Schmidt. They all come in and then Justin Schmidt goes right to the back line. So this was kind of our first time really seeing Justin hop into the back line other than actually other than RGV where he popped in. Um, but I was thinking that they're in like a back four, And Troy was like, no, 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 it's still a back five. So I thought there were four in the back, but it was really three in the back with obviously Austin kind of moving up um, as well and and Schmidt going to like a, what was it like a right back situation or a left back?
1: Yeah, um, those substitutions, I I will say were kind of odd. Mm, Yeah, were kind of odd to me, especially how everyone was playing. And the one, you know, that I got kind of, I would say iffy about was the Daniel Bruce one, that substitution. I was kind of worried about that, but, you know, he ended up playing, you know, decent and he was... Besides the diving, he was... uh
0: (laughs) What? What are you talking about? (laughs) Daniel Bruce diving? No. (laughs) Uh,
1: No, he did play a decent game, and you can tell he has the heart and passion when he's on that field.
0: Y'all, these these guys diving, man. Before we started this podcast, I watched the Lakers game, and I was watching the last two minutes, and dudes were diving out there, too. I was like, damn. That's what we got to do today or what? Like, um, yeah, like Smith came in and, and I was speaking a moment ago. He he was actually in that right back position next to Kalen Ryden. Um, you know, it looked good to see him out there. You know, I saw Austin move up. Obviously, Hamilton, you know, was back there, too. Um, you know, it's a good strategy, you know, and like I said, I hope that Richie Tete works in because, I mean, I think that, when they can have three like true center backs back there, it's going to do something for the position. But don't get me wrong, Hamilton has been playing good. Um, I thought it was good that Troy uh, went fully defensive right there, and he had to think when he when he put in Schmidt, and he kind of addressed this in the presser afterwards. He said, you know, Schmidt actually plays the ball out pretty well, but also he's good because he's tall. He can kind of address like the crosses that Austin was sending in the box, and if you think about it. We really could have used Schmidt in the El Paso game, given the fact that and the point how they scored that goal. So it is, it was definitely something that Troy was obviously clutching, thinking about how he doesn't want to concede goals. You know, so I thought that was a good move. So, Um, and then I guess like moving off of that, uh, we got to talk about the goal by Amanda Moreno. Amanda Moreno, I feel like he's been after it for three matches, like just a lot of near finishes. Definitely, you know, putting his body out there on the line. Um, you know, he basically gets a cross sent in from Andrew Tenari, um, in which he heads it. And I've seen, I've seen the goal a few times. Um, Amanda was taking photos for us. Shout out to her. She gets the sequence of him scoring the goal, like frame by frame. It's amazing. I'm gonna post it to the Instagram. But I mean. It was a smart move for him to head the ball down, you know, off off balanced versus trying to maybe bring it down to his feet or do anything else with it. Just spur of the moment it seemed like that was the best choice he made.
1: Yeah, it was the best choice that he made and especially how kind of far off he was from the ball he kind of had to throw himself more into a little bit of a diving header which is kind of smart on him to head the ball down because he if he would have you know headed it straight um the goalie could have got into it
0: yeah and so um he definitely makes like the right move in the moment like you know to me, like, it just looked like he barely tapped it, but it was enough, like, you know, to, to put it in. Um, so kind of overall, looking at United's form through three matches, they've progressed from a loss to a draw to a win. Um, now, I still think they could have won the El Paso game, but it is what it is. Um, looking at the, the way they are in three matches, it seems like they're obviously coming together as a team as far as the, finding the chemistry. And truly, you know you know, I'm thinking that if, if they can kind of bring forth the things that they did Saturday um, into this Friday's match against Colorado switchbacks, that they would be in a good position to get to get three points on the road. Um Alicia, what do you think about um, how well they've been playing, their form that they currently have and you know, and and yeah, and what do you think about that?
1: Um, I do like the form that they're playing, but, you know, it is just to getting into the gist of things and, you know, kind of working with everyone because, you know, preseason isn't going about it 100%. So I feel like now that it's game time and they have to get their mentality right Um, it is more about kind of working more together and communicating better because these games the score does matter at the end of the day because we're trying to get points on the board and I'm sure they're on their eyes are on the cup and you know now that we have so much improvement it that I hope that we just keep improving from here on out and not, you know, take the two steps forward, and then next game we're one step back. And that's something we can't do, and we have been doing it past seasons where we play these teams that we've, like, our rival teams, we play them to the best of our ability, if not even more, and then we go play, you know, switchbacks, and we play down to them, if not worse. And it's like, well, what happened to the team last week? This isn't the same team. And that's what I don't want to happen on Friday where we played great these last two games. And then, oh, it's the switchbacks. Then let's play down to them because, you know, it it's the switchbacks. They're not as good as El Paso and or, or Phoenix for that matter.
0: Yeah, and you're right. And uh, we're going to talk about the match with Colorado Springs switchbacks after this break. And we're back from this break. So as you were talking uh, in the last segment, Alicia, about United playing up to opponents and playing down to other opponents, um, I definitely do agree with you. I was uh, exchanging dialogue with Josh Kaskinen in the uh, the latest edition of the Daisy Cutter. And we were talking about, you know, what kind of things could United do to bring forth um, to have its best opportunity against the switchbacks. And I just said, I think they just got to be consistent. They just got to do the same things that they did, execute the game plan. Um, you know, they got to be conscientious about turning the ball over in dangerous places. Um, you know, so let's kind of get into this preview a little bit for the switchbacks. I mean, obviously they, they've only played... They've played two matches into the season. They played uh, San Antonio FC in which they lost three nil. And then they played sporting Kansas city uh, two and they beat them four nil like two different types of results back to back. So not clear which Colorado Springs switchbacks team we're going to get, but just wanted to kind of talk about a couple of people to maybe keep an eye out for. Um, because this team is vastly different from the last team we played, but they are obviously trying to get better like every other team in the mountain, as we've seen so far. Uh, One player I'll bring to your attention initially is Haji Barry. Prior to watching or prior to us recording tonight, like I just was rewatching kind of the goals. I mean, you know, nothing too spectacular for his goals in that match. One was off of a penalty and the other one was, you know, a late goal when they're already up three 0 but still in a dangerous place. And he still shows some chemistry with uh, other players, uh, Mici, ingolina and uh, Yaya Toure. You know, Haji Barry definitely a, a guy with with good uh, footwork, physicality, speed. Um, you know, definitely someone dangerous up front. Like, what are your what are your thoughts? What do you think? Would it be any concerns, you know, going up against a, a player like this. I mean, because he definitely got like kind of a high, high caliber talent.
1: Um, going up a player, going up against a player like this, I feel like he's gonna have to be marked at all times. They're gonna have to man mark him instead of, uh, you know, kind of doing the zoning mark. And you know, with him, I feel like it's just him. It's not uh, any other we any other player we have to worry about like last season you know we had Aiden Daniels and we had um what was the other one um George
0: Labisi or Christian Velasci uh
1: George Labisi. see those two work together so we really had to watch them too and now you know they're not there anymore and it's just um it's just him and we we really are going to have to man-mark him or, you know, me, maybe even, you know, and I have a feeling this is going to happen, that Kalen is going to be the one watching him where it's going to be like, you know, half and half, kind of half man-marking him, but at the same time doing the zone marking. And if we have him, then, you know, technically we should have this game in hand.
0: Yeah, I think honestly, like the, looking at the second goal that he scored against Sporting Kansas City too, I mean, it was really much a similar goal that United got scored on the other day with uh, Nick Hines getting the goal. It was just literally like from um, the the right back position to the left back position. You know, that's that's where he kind of operated. They definitely, uh, in this match that I was re- reviewing for Sporting Kansas City, too, um, they, they just got in the box quite a bit. They were really pretty much outside the 18- you know, just dancing around, able to kind of get in those lanes, you know. So I think United definitely does have to um, address that. Like, they are going to have to step into lanes. They are going to have to kind of press them a little bit because, I mean, if they get any space in there, then they would be very dangerous. Um, The other thing to kind of point out, though, about Haji Berry, you know, being uh, last season he played for North Carolina FC. Now, we happen to have a guy in goal who also played for North Carolina FC last year. Um, and Alex Tambakis, I kind of wonder, you know, you know, when two guys have played together and they were in starting positions, like does Haji Berry have any particular, maybe insider or thought about how Tambakis plays, where his hesitations might be, does Tambakis know how attempt, you know, how Haji Berry shoots, like what his, where he favors, like what, That, that to me, also is maybe another point for this matchup. Um, How much of that factor do you think is going to come into this game?
1: Yeah, and especially if they play together, I'm sure they both have some knowledge on each other, and and I'm sure they're going to use it to the best of their ability Um, when it comes to, you know, if it comes to a penalty. You you never know with these refs, but... um, he is going to have some knowledge on where Haji uh, Berry likes to score. But at the same time, if Haji Berry knows that, he can trick him, which can also be a bit of an issue. So at the same time, they kind of have to, well, um, is he kind of has to keep an open mind and kind of leave that aside because you never know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, talking more about the switchbacks, like I said, they're they're a little bit of a different team this year. Um, they got Jimmy Ockford in the in the center back position from Lou City. They have, of course, Michael Edwards, uh, Matt Hunley, and Yaya Toure from the Rapids. So, I mean, obviously, you know, as long as they're affiliated with them, they're going to be sending down players. Um, they also got returners: uh, Jordan Burt, Sebastian Anderson, uh, Ronnie Argueta. Um, so. Definitely some guys, or and, and Austin doing it. You know, obviously, some guys that have seen New Mexico United that are f- are familiar with, with the different guys and know kind of how they play. You know, and of course, we returned enough guys to give them a good chance. Um, if you remember the last time New Mexico United played Colorado Springs Switchbacks, you know, uh, Zach Prince was coaching that effort. Um, Troy the was off with his wife uh, delivering a child. And essentially, Uh, We lost that match 2-1. United just not, you know, very proactive in that match. You know, things just not happening for them. And switchbacks stole a win out of the four-game series. I'm just wondering how much of an edge the switchbacks might think that they have over United. I mean, yeah, they did play in the preseason, but preseason is so different from, you know, from the actual season.
1: Yeah, it it is, and I feel like you know Switchbacks might, you know, think like they have a chance because of previous results, and they see how we kind of play. But at the same time, they could be a little bit nervous seeing how we did play against Austin Bold, because I'm sure they look at the film, and um, they probably will be nervous, and you know. With our players, I can see um, some players, I you know, are I, I think I've heard are kind of having trouble uh, getting used to the elevation here. and in Colorado Springs, the elevation being higher, it is gonna be difficult for those new players, but I feel like we could manage through it.
0: right. yeah. and speaking of like, Colorado, um, they're going to be in a new stadium, right? So definitely mm-hmm. a new pitch, one that United has not played on yet. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, obviously, what our performance is going to be like on the pitch. I mean, they've played enough pitches. I don't think it's going to be too much of a factor, but uh, it, is pretty, it is pretty exciting that they'll be able to play in kind of a soccer-specific stadium again and something a little bit, you know, nicer than the, the high school pitch they were playing on the last time.
1: Yeah. You know, when I went to the switchback game, our, you know, our home away from home game last, last year, Yeah, I did drive by the stadium and it looks nice. You know, you can only see the outside. You can't see the inside, but you know, it looks nice. And you know, I hope it's better than the last one. And I hope this one actually has seats instead of the bleachers because those bleachers are uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, looking at the pictures, there's definitely like some actual bucket seats. They look nice. I mean, honestly, like um I'm going to go up there Friday. Uh, so I'll get to kind of see it firsthand. Uh, but it does look it looks look, looks nice. Um, there's supposed to be like a club at the bottom. I'm, I'm hoping to get some pictures and kind of get a good good view of it. So for the next pod, you and I can kind of look at pictures and kind of, you know, talk about a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's going to be good. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if it sits in the same direction as the other field. I think it'd be funny if it did. Uh, Cause I know that that was kind of an issue it was the way the sun was hitting the pitch. There was always the, the high shade on the, uh, on the one end and then it was like just sunning your eyes on the other side. So I'm kind of wondering if they, kind of built it the same way, you know? Because, I mean, I understand the other field was kind of there that way, but you're building a new stadium. So hopefully you kind of fix that situation.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. But the way it looks, I think it's kind of built the same way, but who knows once you're there.
0: Right, right. Um, So, you know, just kind of wrapping up more of the the on-field, I – I don't know really as much what I would expect from the switchbacks because it's like their first match out. I mean, we saw a little bit of what they were doing in preseason. um, But again, like nothing to really give any sort of indication. I mean, looking at this last match against sporting Kansas city, I mean, they were obviously out the gate. I mean, they looked good in the match, you know, they had enough, enough touches and dangerous positions. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, but that was sporting Kansas City too. You know, I mean, when they play New Mexico United, you know, it's going to be a kind of a different thing. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of not, I don't really have any like definitive, like, we got to watch out for this. We got to watch out for that. It really is just players at this moment. And it, it is noticing that they are dangerous in spaces, you know, and every team has a little bit of that. You know, I probably will watch a little bit more of the San Antonio um, match to kind of get more of a a feel for it. Maybe we'll have something on the preview, but for now I think that just looking at those players are going to be kind of an effect. Um, So shifting off of that, you know, I did speak about the new stadium. Obviously we're, we're going up there Friday. Got to give a shout out to the curse. You know, the curse is trying to do it up, you know, traveling to the away games, kind of bringing back that sort of, um, you know, road mentality, you know, support, supporting the team. So just giving a shout out to them. And, uh, you know, that kind of brings us to this week's uh, prediction. But before we get to that, uh, we definitely got to address last week's predictions. Uh, Alicia, you had predicted that there would be four goals scored in the game last week, which there were uh, New Mexico winning three one. You also predicted the score 3-1 United. So you got a point for the total goals, a point for the spread um, of how the score went, the result. Um, You did pick Devin Sandoval to get the first goal, which uh, obviously you won't get a point for that. Um, And I basically didn't get any points. (laughs) Um, I picked United to win 2-1, Harry Swartz scoring the goal. Um, So... Uh, alicia right now you're you're on the board with with those uh those two points from last week
1: yeah last week you know I was kind of upping myself a little bit i thought three1 was too much of a win considering how we were doing but you know it was manageable and it was nice to get that win and you know going into Friday's match my prediction Um, My prediction is a 2-1 win with Amanda Moreno scoring the first one.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to take the role of you this week. Uh, I'm going to say it's a 3-1 victory. And I'm going to say that Sergio Rivas gets the first goal. So we've both put up interesting predictions. I mean, I just hope one of us gets it right um, for the sake of United coming away with three points. So Alicia, where can folks find you on the Internet?
1: Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at exclusive underscore Alicia and on Facebook under Alicia Arias.
0: Right on. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram under by Chris Walker. And you can find me on Facebook under Christopher and Walker. Well, Alicia, this has been a fun little bit over an hour kind of. Coming up, talking about Austin Bull, talking about Colorado switchbacks, obviously, talking about what's going on in life. For Alicia and myself, Chris Walker, you've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, and we'll catch you on the next show. Go United. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL related podcasts and written content at BGN.FM. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek & Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. Scarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.